The views and opinions expressed during the drive time are those of Dave Glover and his guests and are not those of Northumberland 89.7. Agree, disagree, or have a comment. Call the station and speak with Dave live on the air. Call 905-372-2321. That's 905-372-2321. Now your host, Dave Glover. Well, welcome to Thursday, December 31st, and this is the last day of probably the worst year of my life. Joining me on the line in just a moment is our own Rob Washburn. We're going to be talking about today's uh, shocking news from the Ontario government that Finance Minister Rod Phillips has resigned his position as uh, Finance Minister. I don't know if he's stepping down from caucus entirely, but I do know that he is uh, stepping down as the Finance Minister. He has apologized for leaving the country. Rob and, Rob and I are going to discuss this particular case. We also want to discuss, you know, some of the shenanigans that went on before all of this came to a head. Joining me on the line right now is Rob Washburn. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely harking back to the days when you were regular in the studio. Hey, Rob, welcome back. Thank you so much, Dave, and a happy new year to you. Happy new year to you. It's also been a heck of a year for Rod Phillips. The finance well, certainly, certainly today's been a, an eventful day, uh, no doubt. Um, so it's been really interesting, Dave. I don't know how closely uh, you or your listeners have been following the events of the day, but uh, earlier this morning, um, Rod Phillips, who was the budget chief for Ford government, came back from St. Bart's in, where he had been vacationing uh, since December 13th. Mm-hmm. And when he returned, he almost immediately went to see the premier and tendered his resignation, and that story broke about mid-morning. So that's been a, a really big piece of news. I, I'm curious, Dave, when you sort of think about what's been happening over the last few days and put it into context, what's been going through your mind? Well, I mean, f- for me, and I talked about this on yesterday's program as well, I mean, d- here's a guy who... You, I'm, 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 there's no way I can believe the Premier didn't know this guy was going away, first and foremost, okay? I mean, this is the number two guy in government. There's no way on God's green earth the Premier of the province of Ontario did not know that Rob Phillips was, that Rod Phillips, rather, was going away uh, on the day that he did. And, and, and let's bear in mind that this is the second vacation that he's taken uh, during the pandemic. So there's that. There's also the fact that he put out a series of social media uh, posts, you know, Facebook and, and Twitter, you know, uh, one showing him in front of a healthcare facility with a bunch of other people announcing a, a funding announcement. Uh, another announcement was made. He was there for that announcement in photographs. You know, uh, then there was the shot of him wishing everyone a happy Christmas from in front of his fireplace, allegedly. And it turns out he wasn't even in the country. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you today, Dave, was um, about this social media thing. I, I think we've all been really, really focused on this story about him resigning. And there's been uh, a lot of media uh, covering that story mm-hmm. and a lot of politicians speaking to it. 
But I think this story about the disinformation by the minister to deliberately mislead us, and I think this is really important, Dave, because there's a difference between misinformation, where we put up something on Twitter or Facebook, and we make a mistake. We, we don't have, quite have our facts right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you can go back and correct it, or somebody will come along and they'll say, well, you know, it should be this, not that. I, I, that's, that's innocent. But I don't believe for a moment that any of this was innocent. This was engineered to make it look like he was in the province. And, and that's disinformation. That's when you intentionally mislead people. And, you know, we always talk about this in context of foreign actors, you know, the Russians and, and others who, who deliberately mislead us with information uh, meant to disrupt uh, uh, on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. And yet here we have in our own government this going on. And, and nobody's shocked. Nobody's surprised. But I think it's time that we started talking seriously about having rules and regulations for ministers of the crown that they have to start following some rules around what they post, because this can't be acceptable anymore. Uh, we need leaders. We can't just depend on ourselves and individuals. Of course, we need to be more digital, digitally literate. We need to be more savvy around this. And, and sure, people talk about it, but there's a lot of Canadians that still get misled when this kind of disinformation takes place. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's time, to get, you know, especially in light of this, that um, the opposition and uh, all politicians come together and say, look, we've got to have some rules and regulations around this. Because, you know, we can't have politicians lying to us on on social media. Well, and that's really what, I mean, that's really what this comes down to, right? Was Rod Phillips lying to us on social media or were these just posts? I mean, I'm looking at one post here from December 17th. He was clearly out of the country already by then, celebrating uh, Canada's maple syrup. You know, and he picked up, a, he says here, I picked up this bottle of Ajax at the local McMillan Orchards. He's talking about how it's, you know, Flapjack Day. Uh, not to be sappy, he says, but when you boil it down, the best way to celebrate Flapjacks. I mean, it's, it's a great little blurb. He's celebrating Canadian maple syrup, but at the same time, you know, you see the dates. So is he lying, or...? Well, that's the question, Dave, isn't it? And, and I mean, I, I, don't, I don't mean to call the Minister of the Crown a, a, a liar. I, I shouldn't do that. That's a bit strong. Well, I'll but do it every day, all day. Walk that back, but, but I will say this. He's saying in, in stories that it was not his intention to deceive anyone. And yet, how can you possibly click publish on any of these posts and not have an intention to mislead people? Yeah. Well, well at least include the phrase, while I'm away, <laughs> you know, or something. Well, I mean, uh, we, we... But, 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 but at the same time, I mean, th- this is what this is my point, Dave, is, is that social media is meant to be an expression uh, in time. All right, it's, it, it, you know things like Twitter, especially uh, Instagram. These these things they're done spontaneously, and and you know I know business uses it to, to promote themselves, but when you're when you're doing this kind of thing, the, the whole message here is that oh look, I'm sitting beside the fireplace with my glass of eggnog in my little gingerbread house, and I'm just like you. I'm staying isolated, and I'm I'm celebrating Christmas. I'm with you. And exactly. that was the farthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know what kind of language you're going to use, but I think what's more important is we have to start having serious conversations about politicians and the way that they use social media. And there has to be ethical guidelines, rules and regulations that say you can't misrepresent. If you're going to be standing in front of a hospital 
uh, making an announcement, then you're standing in front of a hospital making an announcement. Well, he says uh, that he was a significant error in judgment. Uh, I don't make any excuses for the fact that I traveled. But the point is, to your point, really, Rob, is that he's not acknowledging any of these other... Sh- I mean, this is uh, this is chicanery. This, there's no other way of describing this. This is straight up, I'm going away, but let's make sure that the social media posts are put up accordingly so that, you know, it doesn't look like I've, uh, I've abandoned my constituents. For me, the real shock is that here's the number two guy in the province... You can't tell me he didn't know we were going into lockdown when we were. I mean, let's face it, this was a calculated this was calculated on the part of the government. We all knew that they were going to do it right around Boxing Day because they wanted to make sure that everyone got their Christmas shopping done. I mean, that's let's 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 just use our our, our logical minds here. And and the fact that the finance minister and the and and even the premier, I mean, yesterday the premier was in denial mode until about halfway through the day when he went, "Okay, well, yeah, I did know." Uh, but I didn't know before he left, is what he said. And, I mean, come on. For us to, for, for them to even entertain the notion that, that Canadians, or rather that Ontarians, are, are so dumb as to believe this. I mean, to your point about the social media, I mean, that's what kind of keeps that going, isn't it? Oh, well, you know, because his, his detractors will say, well, you know, he was in Canada on the, 20s, on, on, the, on the 17th. Look, he made this post. Well, I'd also say this, that it is, is a systemic of what the government does. And, and we see that so often how uh, various pol- politicians and political groups use social media to for disinformation campaigns, for propaganda. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I know digital literacy is, is still something that's in its infancy, and we're still trying to get our heads around just how we deal with this kind of disinformation. But how do we trust the government? When this is at the very heart of it, and that's the part, and you know, I'm I'm all with you, Dave, on all this stuff about him and what he's done um, on this trip and how poorly it reflects on the government. But more importantly, and more long term, is what is the government going to do about their social media policy and the way that that MPPs behave on social media? Mm-hmm. Because if we can't trust this, then you know, so many people rely on social media this kind of information to know what to hold their uh, representatives accountable and if we can't trust this you know this is a big thing and they have to lead by example that's the most important thing we need leaders now especially around social media so that we can start to see that there are places we can go that information is trustworthy that we know that it's right and that people are working hard to tell us the truth well, and the other thing too, Rob, to, it, it, I want to mention one other thing because we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about more of this. But before we go to the break, I want people to think about this. I mean, he's apologizing, I think, because he got caught. I mean, here's the, the part that gets me about this is, is this resignation about optics? Is he only resigning because he got caught? Or is he resigning because there were, I mean, don't forget, one of uh, Doug Ford's comms persons, uh, Ivana, I want to say Yelich, but I don't think that's the right name. She's, she went off to uh, Manitoba. We've heard stories of other MPPs who've, in other jurisdictions who've gone to Hawaii. I mean, is, is his resignation just about the optics? Well, Dave, the premier himself went to his cottage early on in the pandemic. Well, he apparently he went to his cottage with his family at Christmas, too. Word is, and, and again, this is unconfirmed because it's through social media, but the word on the street is that Doug Ford and his entire family went to the family cottage up in Muskoka or wherever it's located. Well, 
regardless of that, the, the, he, he did go earlier on in the pandemic. He went to his cottage and also on Mother's Day. Yeah. He broke his own mandate uh, by having family over during Mother's Day. Yeah. So it, it seems like there's one set of rules for everybody else, and there's another set of rules for uh, Doug Ford and his, and his, uh, his government. But, but I think that's, that's one debate, and I think it's an important one, Dave. Well, when we come back from the break, Rob, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the optics of this. You're listening to The Drive Time. This is Canada's only holistic political chat. My guest on the line is Rob Washburn, professor of journalism at Loyalist College and, of course, host of Consider This Live right here at Truly Local Radio. We will be right back. One of the things I enjoy about radio is when I meet people who love listening to the core. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should, because it's the perfect way to start your weekend. Just tune in from 1 to 4 here on Friday afternoon, and I'll do the rest. That's the core with Jordan Appleman, here on Northumberland 89.7 Truly Local Radio. This has been a year unlike any other, and we wouldn't have made it without you, your loyalty, and continued support. We want to take the time to thank you so much for having faith in our small, locally-owned businesses. From our family to yours, all the best for this holiday season and wishing you health, wealth, and happiness for the new year. All Creatures Great and Small and Spark, smart toys for cool kids. Two great stores, one great location. 30 King Street West, downtown Coburg. Hello, my name is Shino. I'm from Japan. Northumberland is now my home. And this is Northumberland 89.7, Truly Local Radio. Truly Local Radio right here. And uh, Rob Washburn is my guest. I should let you know, Rob, coming up at 6 o'clock on the show, I've got another guest coming on, Mike Gibbs, who we had on here a few months ago to talk about health care. He used to work for the Ministry of Health. He was the, one of their communications persons back in the Mike Harris days. Um, he actually lives in Rod Phillips' writing, so I'm going to talk to him at 6 o'clock about how he feels as a constituent uh, and because uh, he's got some some uh, information as well that he would like to impart. So that's going to be a really interesting conversation. You may want to tune in for that. As far as the optics goes, the, I guess what I was trying to get at, and I think I mentioned to, the, to, to you during the break, I mean, we've got uh, an Ontario government right now that is literally coming apart at the seams by some estimations. You've got a long-term care minister who really has been missing in action, the health care minister who is reactionary rather than uh, uh, proactive, uh, You've got, you know, dad, daddy premier for all of the uh, premier dad stuff. We heard about McGinty. Uh, we're not, we, you know, <laughs> Doug Ford. And then we got Rod Phillips, who has taken his second excursion uh, during the pandemic. I mean, it would seem as though Rod Phillips was the guy they went, OK, well, Rod, this is second time for you, dude. So you're going to have to fall on your sword so that we can shield these other MPs who are, quite frankly, just not doing not doing the job. How, how is that a fair assessment you find, Rob? Well, I, I think I think that the, the the type of narrative that comes from critics of the government, and certainly they focus. I mean, there's always in opposition. There's always calls for people to resign, and somebody's not doing their job. And and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it gets to be a little tired narrative. I think um, because you know, when do people resign and when don't they resign? And I think when you call for it too often, it's like uh, crying wolf. This obviously was a case that that demanded that there was, an, I believe, an ethical breach, um, and I think that's why he's he's getting the hatchet today. Um, but I, I think um, on a, on a deeper level, 
what what we're talking about is is you know having the ability to trust our government and to be able to you know we we get so betrayed this is why people get cynical people don't want to listen or or follow uh, uh, the, the rules and regulations and you know we've seen over this pandemic how people have responded you know we've had the anti-maskers we you know we're about to, to have, uh, vaccinate uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of people in this country and around the world and you know disinformation plays a huge role in how we're going to handle this vaccination and mm-hmm. how we're going to find our way out of this this pandemic and when we have this kind of disinformation coming from government you know this is this is why we have a larger problem and it's it's far more serious and i think we can't just fluff it off anymore i think we've got to take it really really seriously and what are we going to do as a society around these technologies so that we can start to have information that we can trust. Because, you know, it, it's so detrimental, and it, people are so misinformed. And, you know, I, 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 it's great that we can all have a say, and we can all go and, you know, throw our comments up and, and make our comments. Mm-hmm. But the truth be told, you know, we've, we've got to start to get serious about being more digitally literate or uh, campaign harder for digital literacy on a larger scale. But also... To, to start to set down rules and regulations, hold these platforms more accountable, and especially people in leadership roles are going to have to start treating it not as just something that they can throw up where it's a, a game or a joke where mm-hmm. we mislead people. Well, you know what? It's ironic because yesterday I had a call from one of our regular listeners. I have a, a group of regular listeners who call me, and uh, this, this gentleman's actually a longtime conservative, and he said, look, you know, you, the point that you and I made, and we've made this on our program, I make it a lot, that an election is a job interview. You know, uh, right now, it seems to me a lot of people are being sent to uh, Queen's Park simply because of the jersey that the the team they're, they're on. You know, a lot of people get elected because, oh, he's a he's a conservative. I always vote that way or they're NDP. I always vote that way or, or whatever. The reality is this is a job interview. Now, I'm, I'm not saying Rod Phillips is the bad guy for the job. And I'll, I'll ask Mike Gibbs that question. He's a constituent uh, at six o'clock. But really what it comes down to, I think, is to your point, they're not taking it seriously as though it were a job. I mean, think about this for a second, you know? And I, I said this the other day. I mean, if you're if you're one of the key players in coordinating a pandemic, you don't, if any, in any other job, you don't quietly go off somewhere and have a vacation while everyone else, you know, sort of sorts it out. You know, you would be fired, just like this guy was. I mean, I, 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 I got to, it makes you wonder, you know, I mean, right now, I, I believe Doug Ford's trying to change the narrative. He's trying to make it look like, okay, well, you know what, we got this guy, you know, he, he obviously disregarded what we were saying. So, you know, he obviously, you know, we dealt with him accordingly, but he didn't fire Oosterhoff. You know, he didn't demand his resignation. You know, he didn't demand a resignation of of, of uh, his comms person, who apparently has gone off to Manitoba. So, uh, for me, it seems as though Rod Phillips was caught so like was caught like deer in the headlights, caught that they didn't have any choice but to demand his resignation. Agreed, and I, I guess the thing would be, Dave, is, is that you know, and what I've been arguing, and 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 my point is, is that you know, uh, we've started to take the politics. Um, and, and, and the tools of social media 
as simply manipulative tools to to uh, to sway people mm-hmm. to uh, to uh, again I keep using the word manipulate I can't think of another word right at the moment. Well, it's propaganda is what it is. Well, it is, but 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 the thing is, is that this kind of disinformation is becoming incredibly prevalent, and it and politicians are seeming to to just shrug when they get caught or mm-hmm. when somebody points out that oh wait a minute that's completely false and yet you know we'll we'll see everybody light their hair on fire because well the russians interfered in the in the the, the 2016 election but at the same time um, we we look at our own backyard and why aren't we lighting our hair on fire why are we all getting super upset about this aspect of it i i'm i you know i, I appreciate all of what you're saying around you know his behavior and the government's behavior, mm-hmm. but the, the, this other level is much deeper and much more serious. Much not much more serious. Maybe it's as serious, mm-hmm. and it's being ignored. And I guess that's my point today: is that this needs to be taken just as seriously right. as the breach of, of, of going away during the middle of a pandemic. Okay, so just so, so I can just if I can bring this right back to what the topic of the conversation is for the listeners out there, because that's really that is the point of this conversation that we're having today. I mean, I, I mean, I you know me. I love to beat up on the government as much as the next guy, Rob, and I, and I have uh, obviously devoted uh, a significant amount of time in this conversation to that. But t- to your point, I mean, the reality is, when is it not okay to propagandize? When are we going to be governed? When are we going to have a government that actually governs as opposed to a government that propagandizes? And I think that's really what we're getting at, because through social media, through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, TikTok, c- politicians can communicate to people on a very different level and it's not a level that deals with any public policy it's not a level that deals uh, necessarily with any uh, um, core principles of governance it's all about becoming your buddy it's all about you know becoming someone you like so that come election time oh yeah i know him i'm gonna vote for him The, the the whole public policy aspect of it the fact that they can propagandize their way through uh uh a major catastrophe. I mean, this is this pandemic has been a major catastrophe, and I would argue that to what we have seen through social media is a propagandization that really just kind of says, "Oh no, don't worry. You know, we've got it taken care of, and you know, and we're here." When in reality, we're seeing all kinds of other things happening. You know, I, I, do, you, do you get what I'm saying here? I, I do. I hear very clearly, Dave, and, and I think they're all good points. I, I, I would say to listeners, you know, if they haven't watched the documentary Social Dilemma on Netflix, yeah, they should definitely watch that because that it really looks into what goes on behind social media. And the, the techniques that are being used now are highly sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they are triggering people to have certain kinds of emotional responses. And, and you know, it's, it's meant, of course, to get us to use the social media more and to provide them with more data, which they can then in turn sell and make money at. But politicians are now using this more and more to not just to get propaganda out to us, but to manipulate us, right. to get us to vote a particular way, mm-hmm. to support a particular initiative, to do this or to do that. And um, that's the kind of thing that is truly scary, because if we're not cognizant of that, then you know what's going to happen is, is all of a sudden we're just being a bunch of puppets. And, you know, that's not good. And it also, when we can't trust information sources, then what happens is it just opens the floodgates to all kinds of disinformation. We're all arguing different quote-unquote truths, and nobody knows what to believe anymore. And that 
undermines our system of government. I mean, if, if you want to get really scared, this is where, you know, the whole system collapses. Yeah. Because if we can't agree on anything, if we can't find common ground, how do we go forward? How do we be governed? How do we act as a society? Well, and so I, that's why it's so important. You know what? And along, I mean, that goes to the point I try to make on the program quite a lot, which is how partisanship is really sort of undermining democracy. I mean, because what you're talking about is creating narratives that based on algorithms, which is what what they're using. They're creating narratives based on algorithms to try and assuage our concerns, to try and uh, fear what they want us to fear, because the fear, of course, drives the vote as well, and also to convince people that you know they've got our back, whoever they are, they've they've got our back. But to 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 just simply go along with that. This is, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I think I, what we do, you and I, is so important. I mean, we we do dig deeper. We ask why. We try and figure out what they're not telling us when we read that news story. You know, okay, well, that all looks really rosy, but what are they really saying? And and that's that's where the the cognitive part of being a uh, being a voter becomes uh, important. Where where being an active participant. Uh, in your democracy becomes important because, uh, to your point, I mean, if, if we can allow partisans to tear down government institutions, and, and I mean, that's what we're seeing in the United States, right? They, they, this whole argument about the deep state and how, you know, you can't trust big government and, you know, we got to make government smaller because the more government is, the more they can pry into your affairs and all of these things, which are designed, in, in my mind, to, to, to underestimate or, or rather undermine the, the actual facets of governance that that really protect us well david and i hope too that that my brethren in journalism uh at queen's park and and others uh, start going after this aspect of the story as as the days uh, go by uh, or mm-hmm. the week or so because i think this is this is truly the the, the bigger story is is how you know you're talking about accountability so ford you know uh accepts the resignation of, of philip uh, okay so that's supposed to end the story. I, I hope it doesn't. I hope that we start to see more stories about his behavior and and other examples of this government and where are they again misleading us? I, I you know it's it's one of the it's the great things about uh, social media is the ability to schedule things and to you know a lot of business people do this they put mm-hmm. stuff up so that they don't have to be on it every day all the time and I, I see the use of those tools but when we're starting to use those tools. So that, um, you know, is it even really Rob Ford that's, you know, putting up his Twitter account? Is it really, is it really, uh, you know... Uh, Rod Phillips, who posted those Rod posts. Rod Phillips, who was putting, those, obviously, you know, we have to wonder. It, it looks like it wasn't. But, you know, even our own, David Puccini and, and Philip Lawrence, are those guys really putting up their own stuff? Or are they, are they staff people and are they others? I, I, I think that there's a lot inside all of this that needs to be debated and talked about. But also, we as consumers, we as citizens, need to start to get more critical about what we're looking at. Yeah. And what can we trust? And who are the people that we trust? And where are, where are we sourcing? And what am I sharing? And is that story really true, or is it not? You know, we as individuals now have to take more responsibility. I think the days when we could, you know, get our newspaper thrown at our, our doorstep in the morning or in the afternoon and you could go and sit and read it 
and that was your only source of news, maybe the radio, maybe the television. Mm-hmm. It was a lot simpler, and we got spoon-fed our information. Well, and the other thing, very hard. can I make another point? Can I make one other point, too, to what you're talking about? Because when you hearken back to, to that time of actual journalism, and I'm going to call that actual journalism, here's the thing that we need to realize. You know, news was a lost leader back then. You know, news was a public service. News was was presented on CBS, ABC, CBC. I mean, CBC, uh, other than hockey, news was it. And news really was a service they provided so that we were an informed citizenry. But once they created, you know, 24-hour news, once that first 24-hour news station went on, news became formatted like a sporting event. Once news became uh, a a sellable event like a sport, like like the Super Bowl, at that point, it's, it stopped being news. At that point, it became infotainment. And, you know, we what we need is news. We need less infotainment, and we need more news. Oh, Dave, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think this whole uh, cable thing where they, they sit around a table, and it's like sports, you know, a bunch of commentators, you know, spitballing around, uh, you know, the latest tweet or the uh, from the president of the United States or mm-hmm. all this speculation and, and my opinion. You know, all these opinion shapers and all these pundits, you know what? Let's fire them all and let's give them a web. They can go get a website, you know, three clicks. Mm-hmm. They can have their own website. Let them make money that way. And let's start hiring journalists and reporters who are solely interested in telling stories and giving facts. That's the job of a reporter. There are many news outlets where there are great reporters who go out there who work extremely hard. We have lots of them in our own community, but across the country and around the world, whose only mandate is to get facts that are verified and accurate and get them out to people. And let's start paying those people. And let the pundits, you know, if you want to go get entertained, because you know what? To me, I, I listen to those people, and I might as well be watching... Uh, the halftime show at, at the uh, a football game or at a soccer match mm-hmm. or any sporting event because that's all it is. It's just taking up airspace and who cares what they think. I can get an opinion in a heartbeat. Just go on Facebook or go on Twitter or go on Instagram. And you'll- <laughs> Tune into my show three hours a day. <laughs> yeah. but, but to actually have people who are out there working hard to get the facts and then you know when they don't get it right that's the thing about reporting is you put in a correction you put in the clarification you make sure that there's good information out there because that's the mandate and that's what's important mm-hmm. and that's where we, what we need more of and i think politicians this is an opportunity for them to lead on this by saying as politicians we have to have the integrity of the information that we're communicating to our citizens and that's ultimately the most important thing and not to manipulate or to get propaganda to push our ideology or to push our agenda as a government. Well, the Rod Phillips story is making international news. They're, they're reporting it on TMZ on Twitter. So, uh, Oh, BBC's got pieces on this. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Well, and Michelle Rempel had to put up a video. Apparently, she's upset she can't break the lockdown orders and travel to her uh, family in Oklahoma, unless she's actually in Oklahoma, because another politician got caught traveling. She's really upset, apparently. There's a one-and-a-half-minute video of her ranting. Well, uh, I mean, just, a, just ask any family that couldn't see a, an elderly relative over Christmas. Dude, you, you know what? You and I both know the heartache of not being able to have a family uh, a funeral 
Okay. I mean, the reality is, you know, my son, and I, I hate to keep bringing this up, but I'm going to bring it up as long as it's, I feel it's relevant. When when my son died in August, we couldn't have a family gathering. I couldn't invite his friends from Toronto. We, we had to have a, a, a Zoom celebration of life. Yeah, you know, we, we couldn't properly uh, get together as a family and mourn that loss. And, and, I, and I know you are, were in a similar situation yourself. So, I mean, yeah, you know, the fact that we couldn't do this, but, you know, we've got, I mean, at the, when I see crowds of people at the Costco, I'm furious, frankly. You know, where photographs of people at the Walmart or wherever. I mean, I, I had to make sure that there were only X number of people at a funeral. I had someone checking their temperatures as they entered. Everyone had to wear a mask. And yet Walmart, everyone's wearing a mask. Sure, but you're shoulder to shoulder in those places. Like, you know, I mean, when Doug Ford says, well, we have to ensure there's not two, two sets of rules. I don't think they're doing that. I don't think they're ensuring there's not two sets of rules. I think I think that's being codified personally. Well, and he's going to have to justify that to voters, isn't he? Well, I hope so. I hope so. Rob, I want to thank you for the call. I really appreciate your time. Oh, Dave, thanks for having me on, and thanks for having a great discussion. I really appreciate the opportunity. It is the end of the year. 2020, as we have alluded to, was not the best year possible. Have you got anything you'd like to, to say to the listeners out there? I just wish everybody a very, very happy new year, and I hope that the best for everyone who's listening today. My sentiments exactly. You've been listening to The Drive Time, Canada's only holistic political chat. My guest on the line is Rob Washburn. He's a professor of journalism at Loyalist College, and uh, he's also a regular contributor to uh, Truly Local Radio, Northumberland 89.7 with Consider This Live. When can listeners hear that show, Rob? Uh, They can listen in tomorrow at noon. I have a special New Year's Day show, and uh, we've got some great guests. I've got Nicole Beatty talking about a new report on violence against women in Northumberland. Mm -hmm. It's right into focus and very, very surprising. Um, I also have an interview with the Coburg Deputy Mayor, Suzanne Seguin, about the draft budget, and we talk about some pretty shocking things inside that budget. All right. Well, you don't want to miss that, listeners. That is a special noon. It's at noon, right? Every Friday at noon, Dave. Friday at noon. That's a, and that's a special New Year's Eve noon hour broadcast with Rob Washburn and his special guests. Thanks again, Rob. Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye. Bye.